Hello, I'm Lance Wigton. I'm the Communications Director here at Real Life Ministries, and welcome back to What Does the Bible Say podcast. And once again, of course, I'm with uh, Senior Pastor Jim Putman and good friend Jim Putman. Uh, So Jim, uh, a question I've been asked by uh, several people, I know you have too, and I think it's worth clarifying uh, in this podcast is, what does the Bible say about divorce? Before we talk about divorce, though, Jim, let's talk about the thing you have to do before divorce, which is marriage. How how do you define marriage, or how how does the Bible define marriage? And uh, because I think uh, culture has shifted that as well. Yeah, I if you're going to talk about marriage, you've got to go all the way back to creation, and marriage was God's idea. It was a part of His plan. One of the things that uh, we we talk a little bit about here is the three C's Mm -hmm. when it comes to marriage. Uh, You've got a creator, the creator of marriage, the designer of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Lord is the one who who kind of put this together. Mm -hmm. You have, you have a couple. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you look at marriage, it was, it began uh, with a man and a woman. There are two genders, two Mm -hmm. sexes. Uh, That is absolutely biblical. So you have two, two, People involved, not three, mm-hmm. not a man and a man, not a man and a woman, or excuse me, not a woman and a woman, mm-hmm. and not a man and a dog. Um, you have, uh, so you have a a creator who designed marriage. It's mm-hmm. his idea. Uh, you have a couple, and then you have a covenant, mm-hmm. and that covenant is is made uh, in such a way a covenant. When you think about the old Old Testament. You think about a covenant was an agreement between two, but covenants were sealed in blood. And, mm-hmm. and so what that meant was that if if you break the covenant, it's life, mm-hmm. blood spilled. And it, it, it kind of cemented the importance of it. And so this covenant is between a man and a woman, and and this covenant is for life. And so when you, when you look at the... Um, the design there, Jesus reiterates it in Matthew 19, where um, they asked him about marriage. And it's, so if you go to Matthew 19, verse 3, he says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Uh, and then he goes on. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So notice what Jesus did. He refers back to the garden. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, haven't you read? He affirms that the Old Testament scripture uh, accurately tells the story. Moses wrote it. Mm-hmm. He's dealing with the situation that the Pharisees had created, which was, uh, and they're kind of bouncing off what Moses has said. They're about to say, well, Moses said that if there was a divorce, you could give a certificate. And, and he goes on to say, Hey, Moses did that because of the hardness of your hearts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but this isn't the way it was supposed to be. And so as you unpack this, I mean, there's a lot of stuff here, but mm-hmm. it was for life. And, and again, remember that when you think about marriage, it, it was, um, God's mechanism for relationship and purpose. Remember, before that, Adam had been given 
a a role to oversee and to maintain the garden. Mm -hmm. And then with his wife, she was a helpmate to help him. uh, And together as partners, uh, continue on in the mission that God had already given them, which was to maintain, to oversee, and now to multiply. Mm -hmm. So marriage isn't just so that you know, you can get married to somebody and her job and your job is to help each other achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. Our job is to to take the kingdom of God to the whole planet prior mm-hmm. to sin, to expand the kingdom, to multiply God's kingdom of where man and God walk together and man and man walk together. Mm-hmm. Well, now that sin enters the world, everything's contaminated and broken and we make a mess of things. And Jesus comes to say, hey, um, we're going to restore things. You see the hint of that when they say, hey, in the beginning, this was the purpose. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, Moses allowed you to do it because your hearts were hard. But if you're a Christ follower now, we're, we're going back to being restored to God's original plan, mm-hmm. which was there was a mission. to In the New Testament, it's to expand the kingdom of heaven by making disciples in our own home, mm-hmm. being Christ followers who are about the kingdom of heaven and expanding that on planet Earth. So as you go back to this whole uh, idea in the there was a a purpose a, a a mission given by God. There is a creator who gets to set the terms for it. He's the designer. He's the one who gets to set the rules. There's a couple, mm-hmm. and there's a covenant. Mm-hmm. So uh, now I think you just made that point, but I, I'd like to go back to it because uh, we are talking about what the Bible says about you know, X in this, in this one, we're talking about divorce. Uh, you laid out, uh, the three C's for marriage. Uh, these aren't your three C's. This is the, the, the reason that you're saying that, uh, the couple needs to be defined like this. It's because the creator who gets to make the rules because he is the creator and our Lord, uh, is saying, this is how we define a couple. Yeah. The uh, so you roll into covenant, and that's I guess that's the uh, the issue I have is uh, how can covenant and being a Christ follower exist, or how how can covenant and divorce exist at all? Because uh, like you said, if their covenant is broken, there has to be blood to answer for it. Uh, Christ's uh, death on the cross proves that right. to us, and if the marriage is a covenant then it doesn't seem possible for for us to uh, consider or move through a divorce. Well, yeah. I mean, Jesus' whole plan is, I want to restore you back Mm -hmm. to the original plan. The Holy Spirit comes in our life. God gives us his word. Every command he ever gave us is a restoration back to what we had before sin. Every command was to protect and promote restoration in our life. Mm-hmm. And and so the problem is, is that we do live in a fallen world. And and what God would want us to do is to restore. But there's, I always say between a couple, in a couple, there are three things going on. There's my part, God's part, their part. Mm-hmm. So I'm called on to do my part because of what Jesus has already done for me. And I, I, it, that's not easy, and I'm imperfect in that. I have a sinful nature. I uh, have the, an enemy. I have a culture that promotes all kinds of different things mm-hmm. that are ungodly. And But my call is with God's help. It, God works in me. He's given me his word 
is to be um, focused on him, abide in him. Now, the problem is what happens when we have a spouse who is not focused mm-hmm. on the Lord? Or, uh, you know, their, their version is going to be more of a, a cultural marriage, a contract rather than a covenant. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I'll do this as long as you do that, or I'll do this as long as you make me happy. Uh, because of the world we live in, there's adultery, there's mm-hmm. abuse, there's all these different kinds of things. And so God's word does make allowances for a believer who is married to somebody that may break the covenant. So Jesus goes on to say that that if a person commits adultery— mm-hmm. If you if you divorce for any other reason other than adultery, then you you cause the other or yourself, you commit adultery if you remarry. Mm-hmm. And so he's making this statement for believers that there's only one reason for divorce. Now you might expand this to it, it it's becomes dangerous, there's abuse, but all this comes as a result of sin, and you gotta walk through some of these issues. If somebody's being abused uh, physically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a reason to go, okay, I, I can't stay in this covenant because what you're doing is you're asking me to sin. You're mm-hmm. asking me to, um, you know, if you, it, it, you're asking me to be in a relationship with someone who's dangerous to my soul mm-hmm. and is, um, and so there's boundaries on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Mike, I, that's confusing to me because I feel like every one of those topics, adultery, for instance, uh, you can go by the letter of the law and it's adultery and that's pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. However, the Bible also says, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, that's essentially adultery. You're committing adultery, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the with multimedia and things like that. It's pretty easy to to yeah, say. Let's unpack that for a minute. When you when you talk about pornography, for instance, Mm -hmm. and you live in a sexualized culture, you got to go back to what was the purpose of what Jesus was saying in this, you know, in that Sermon on the Mount there. He's talking to people who think they're righteous, Mm -hmm. who who, um, think they're good enough. They're God's chosen people. And what Jesus is trying to say is there's none righteous. So he's saying, you know, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. In other words, if you murdered him in your heart, you hate him, you mm-hmm. want to destroy him. Um, you may not have done it physically, but you did it in your heart. And so even though you might think you're righteous because you've never killed anybody, you're actually a sinner mm-hmm. in need of salvation. Same with same with um, lust. He's saying if, if, if you have committed lust in your heart, meaning you know, you're visualizing that you're, you would do it if you could get away with it. Or, you know, uh, I'm going to do it in my mind. I'm going to use them as a tool in my mind Mm -hmm. rather than glorifying God and seeing them as God's child. I'm going to, I'm going to use this in my mind. Um, then you've committed adultery, whether you did it in practice or not. Right. He's trying to even the playing field. He's not trying to give every man on, or excuse me, every woman on planet earth, the reason to go get divorced, mm-hmm. right? Because the truth is all of us have struggled in our thought life. Mm-hmm. That's his point. Not that because you th- struggled in your thought life, I don't have to stay married to you anymore. I, I have a, I can, I can leave you. And sometimes we, we don't understand the context of the passage, mm-hmm. right? Now you might say, what if a person is absolutely committed to pornography? Do I have to stay in that relationship? Mm-hmm. 
uh, if my husband is or my wife is now nowadays women are, are right. catching up with this whole pornography thing too. Do I have to stay in relationship if he's unrepentant and he's living that out and he's bringing it into my home and mm-hmm. and you know um, those are some good nuanced questions that need to be answered and that's where you get some counsel. Uh, I certainly believe you know First Corinthians seven says that a wife can separate from her husband. Mm-hmm. Right. Biblically, she has a right to separate. Now, getting divorced mm-hmm. is 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 a little bit different than separating in First Corinthians seven, because what he's talking about is you separate uh, for if, if that's what you want. But it, you can't go remarry. You have to go back to your husband or stay alone. Mm-hmm. And so he's dealing with this issue of if you're being abused or if you're being hurt or whatever, if this is uh, if they've rejected you as a Christian. Right. They've, they've, they've left you. That's another passage in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've been rejected as a Christian, they left you and went with somebody else, you're free. There is a freedom if the other person has broken the covenant. Mm-hmm. But as a Christian, his point is the goal of all this is that we would be married for life, mm-hmm. that we would do our part of that with God's help. And there's nothing easy about it. Marriage isn't easy oftentimes. Uh, he's saying, listen, you guys have come up with a way— to break the covenant. And if you go to Malachi chapter two, mm-hmm. he's he, he's talking to these folks. It's the last book of the Old Testament. And he's saying, listen, you've broken the covenant with me in a variety of different ways. And he says, this is interesting. He says, uh, Malachi chapter two, verse 13. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor upon your offering or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask Why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. There's that word. And he says, has not the, the one God made you? Uh, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and soul. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. And so as you, as you look through that passage, he's saying, hey, um, you made a covenant with God mm-hmm. pertaining to that other person. I stood as a witness. It was a covenant with the other person, but it was a covenant with God. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you broke the covenant with your wife. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I don't hear you. I'm not accepting yeah. your prayers. I'm not accepting. You can't treat my daughter that way and think you're okay with her father. Right? And he's saying, listen, um, but he goes on to say, return to me. So what do you do if you've been divorced? You blew it. Maybe you, you didn't do your part. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't see it that way. Maybe you went through a tough time. Can you be forgiven? Sure you can. And there are some, some things. Uh, we've all sinned, right? But what he's saying is this was wrong. And what, what was the result? You don't have, uh, you don't have godly offspring. Mm-hmm. The desire, remember, going back to the, the, the purpose in the garden was that they were going to multiply the kingdom of heaven. When you decide to break your covenant with God and that spouse, it has a direct implication in the life of your children. You claim you believe in God, but you do your own thing. Well, okay, why can't I do my own thing? And if God's not first in your life, why should he be first in mine? Mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 The marriage covenant was supposed to be this place where you get to see what physical love looks like. As you walk with God, he shows you, if you abide in, in Christ and if you walk in the light, you see in the light, there's fellowship. You claim you believe in God. This, this love that you have for the one who's supposed to be closest to you, 
doesn't really, I don't see it in practice. Mm-hmm. It's conditional. It's maybe abusive or neglectful or whatever. So why should I believe anything about the God you talk about? And so it has a direct implication uh, in the life of your children and them knowing God. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, I want godly offspring. Well, what's the, what's the answer to that? Have a godly covenant of love relationship between God and you and you and your spouse. And that's how you complete the mission of raising your children to know the Lord is when you do that. Well, and and really because of the first sin bringing uh, not only sin into the world, but uh, death, um, you, you know, we're not going to be around forever. So the importance of the gospel moving through time is only through the different generations that are going to be trickled down anyways. Uh, and and uh, so that really becomes the foundation of future Christianity is uh, couples, Christian couples holding the together. The physical manifestation of the church through the family. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so there are, there, are, there are reasons to have divorce in the Bible. Uh, we're talking about abandonment, abuse, uh, adultery. However, uh, you would not recommend the person uh, coming up with diagnosing these things as grounds all by themselves. You, you, you recommend them coming in and talking to a third party. Yeah. Here's, here's some, some thoughts about that. Um, We live in a world where um, we like to self-diagnose things. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says with many counselors, there's victory, right? We, We don't go get help before marriage or excuse me, before we get divorced, um, we don't want to go to counseling. And we cer- certainly don't want anybody to counsel us or to change the decision that we've made. Your job, if you really love me, is to affirm me. Right. And getting wise counsel from from Christians on what to do when you're struggling in marriage, mm-hmm. even what to do before marriage. So many people didn't see a good marriage. They need good premarital counseling to even know what is it even supposed to look like. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, what do I do with a fight? What do I do when there's, you know, an argument? What do I do if there's a lack of sex or there's a lack of intimacy talking with one another? How do I handle that? What? Do, how do I communicate? When we live in a sin-broken world, it sets us up for failure in so many ways, which is why, you know, um, God wanted to, to, to have a family show you how to deal with that. But when families don't do that, then the church family becomes this place where you get to see What's reality? Hollywood and, you know, the media's version of reality, if you find the right person, uh, it's your soulmate and everything's going to be fine from then on. It's not reality. Mm-hmm. There, you know, the people who say love should be easy. No, there's nothing easy about love because biblical love is an act of the will to lay down your life for the other. And my sin nature is not inclined towards that. It's, tor- it's, it's inclined towards my pleasure, my needs. Your job is to take care of me. I'm already set up for failure. Mm-hmm. Unless I have the Holy Spirit changing me, the fruit of the Spirit is love, agapao, an act of the will to lay down the other, so or lay down my life for the other. Um, what does it look like? Well, again, if church isn't making disciples in the homes, and it's not in the churches, mm-hmm. then there's no foundation for how. What is it even supposed to look like? And if all we do is go to church, and we aren't interacting with godly examples where I get to see it, it's only just an idea and I don't really know what it looks like, then the church isn't set up for discipleship. So people weren't set up to win. They've listened to the world's version. 
They don't even know what it's like to do that. They don't get counsel before, they don't get counsel during, and they certainly don't even want to tell me that I'm wrong. Then this just leads to this perpetual cycle of downward broken relationships through history. And that's where we're living. And so, you know, um, when we fail, and we do, mm -hmm. what does that look like? How do I handle that biblically? And most people don't know that. So discipleship is so key. Um, putting people together in different seasons of life to be spiritual parents, uncles, aunts, a different kind of culture that says marriage is forever. Problems are going to happen. This is how we deal with those. This is how we build a, a life together in partnership for the purposes of God. God is the creator, the designer. This is what that looks like in practice. That's what the church is supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. And so most people in their marriages, they know what they were handed and they go, well, it's good enough for me. Uh, or they go, well, I know what I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. But they don't know what it's supposed to look like because there's so few families where discipleship is really happening mm -hmm. from a God perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when we tell everybody that the role of their, or, you know, the, the American dream is you, you, the pursuit of your own happiness. And that becomes first and foremost in this life. And then we get to go to heaven and it's even more so mm -hmm. instead of you no know, dying to self, taking up my cross daily and following Jesus and being about his business and living according to his design isn't easy on planet earth. But those who reject his design down here, why would he would we would they want to accept his design in eternity? Right. Right. And so uh so what does that look like to go, all right, I need some counsel. I'm not gonna self-diagnose. I'm gonna get in there and get some help. I'm gonna have somebody point out to me what's my part of this equation and how do I do that? And what does that even look like? And then you have people walk through it with you and there's life changes possible because a lot of times, I mean, almost every time it's a two sided problem. It's not right. just one, you know, but we get focused on theirs and we don't work on ours. And God always says, but what about you? Let's mm -hmm. work on you. That takes care of part of the problem. The better chances in would, would both come in mm -hmm. and forgiveness is a part of that. If somebody has committed adultery and they've come to know Christ and there's a change in life, God wants there to be forgiveness and he wants to restore. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And how do you do that? Only with God's help. Only as you press into the great forgiver, do you have the ability to have, be washed in forgiveness so that you can, you know, pass that on. But there is this relationship with Jesus that restores things. But again, what most people do is they go, I reject the plan and I don't like that. And in this culture, we get to do this and you can't tell me what to do. And well, mm -hmm. that doesn't work in marriage. I mean, look at, look at the result. Mm -hmm. And I also think, um, it's an it's an odd thing, but just since this church has uh, started, there has been this uh, uh, you know cultural doctrine almost to worship our hurt, and yeah. uh, you know if the we we take care of our hurt, we focus on the hurt we've had instead of forgiving and moving on and and growing. Victimhood is is like, and we'll we'll create something. Oh you know, yeah, that, that leads to this thing right now. I I think there is actual abuse. Right. But we've redefined abuse now to mean like a kid is abused if his parents won't let him take on the transgender surgery. Mm -hmm. You're being abusive. So if I say no or I don't agree or I won't support your bad decision, that's abuse. Right. And, and I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I can I can mentally get there, but it is I mean, it is. uh 
so far from the Bible. It it, it doesn't. It just boggles the mind. The the, the Bible. He says a lot of things, and I and I realize the culture looks at it and says, "Why would I go and find out a bunch of stuff I can't do?" But if you if you're in an actual loving relationship, and people are not trying to give you guidelines, that is that actually is abuse. Letting the kids touch the stove, uh, you know, not warning people that this could happen to them, yeah. not trying to protect them with yeah. with uh, putting healthy boundaries on people. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what the Bible looks like. I mean, it, it, uh, God is the creator, knew how we were made because he made us and he knew what the guidelines were supposed to be. And, and once he loves we've... us so much mm-hmm. that he, he tells us what's true, not what we want to hear. That's right. And so when you there's a change. The Bible talks about that when you follow Jesus, his rules are no longer burdensome. Mm-hmm. Now, they're hard to fill out or, or to, to live out. But it's, but he's right, and I know he's right. They're not burdensome. I want to do them. There's a change in my heart. So I, I don't want to look at pornography because it, it, it ruins my mind. It support, supports the ruining of somebody else. It ruins my wife. It impacts my, my, my marriage. I don't want to have an affair. I don't. Now, again, you can move from. I don't want to. You get in the. You soak in the wrong things. You, mm-hmm. you sin is progressive. Mm-hmm. It, it, everything that God said was because He loved us, and it, there's a change in our heart about this. So, when my wife and I get in a fight, and we've had some doozies, mm-hmm. I I see it the way I see it, and I don't want to forgive her or or listen or resolve it because I'm mad. But at the same time, I know it's right that I do. And I have to make a choice with God's help. And sometimes I even need to bring in a counselor and to talk about it with my friends who point me to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And say, okay, Jim, I, I see that you're really frustrated, but what part do you own? What part, what is God asking you to do? Mm-hmm. And, but she, no, 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 that, that, that's between her and God. And maybe that's another conversation. What about you? What does God want you to do with this? Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Are you willing to not be right every time? Are you now? There's a place where I have to stand on my principles, but is that really what's going on here? And having people that walk through that kind of relationship with you, so that we could live out the marriage that God wants us to have with a greater purpose than just our personal happiness on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, for our kids' sake, for Jesus's reputation's sake, for our sake. If I gave in to my own broken compass, you know, I, I'm a hunter, so I go out in the woods and, and I'm lost out there, but I got a compass. Well, it's, I'm lost because the compass is broken. My internal compass is wrong. The Bible says your heart is the most wicked of all things and who can understand it? The world says follow your heart, right? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tr- not trust in my own understanding anymore, but in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. I'm going to do what he asked me to do, no matter whether it's hard or not, because mm-hmm. Doing the hard thing is the right thing. Doing the easy thing is often not. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think greatness comes by going the easy way. Mm-hmm. And so getting back to, you know, what does the Bible say? There's a plan there. Now, again, we've all rejected God's plan in one way or another, and we can be forgiven. And there needs to be repentance in my life, and I need to own my stuff. And sometimes I can't go back because the other person's remarried or... 
you, you just mm. can't go back to that relationship. But God will take you when you walk in the church and you, you receive him. He'll take you right where you are. But now he says, we're going to do it my way now. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it my way. If you, if you think you can accept Jesus as Savior, but you won't accept him as Lord, then you don't have him as Savior. Mm-hmm. You don't get to just to go, well, I want, I want hell insurance. I want to live my life any way I want. The Bible says no one who is born of God continues in sin or practices sin. We do sin, but we don't practice like we want to be good at it. And so getting back to um, individual situations, um, I remember, uh, and I'll just kind of close this with this. I, okay. had this uh, I preached this sermon on marriage and divorce, and I was pretty upset because there's a bunch of Christian people that were, well, I just don't love her anymore. Mm-hmm. I love her, but I'm not in love with her. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? And I, so I got pretty fired up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I preached this sermon and I'm out in the foyer and this little lady, maybe 35, 40 years old, mm-hmm. comes up to me. And she's crying. And she says, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to go back to my husband. And uh, I said, you know, at first I was like, wow, okay, that was a good sermon. But then something kind of hit me. Ask her why she divorced her husband. So I said, well, can you tell me what, why you divorced him? And she said, well, he was sexually abusing my three daughters. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 no. Now you can't preach a sermon right. on every nuance. Was I right that God hates divorce and a lot of people are misusing it? But if she would have left that place without having a conversation, she would have misapplied what I, what I believed. Right. right. And and part of it was she was really struggling in her life because uh, of the lack of money and the lack of support with her kids. And so she's thinking, well, the reason I'm having such a hard time is because I divorced my husband. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Are, are, uh, you don't go back to your husband in this case. You're, you need to, to be away from your husband for your daughter's sake. And by even by saying that, though. I was in, I was putting her in a position where she was left in her problem, unless I said, now, not only should you make sure that you're not going back to your husband, but as a church, let us walk through this with you. Right. Let us support you as you make this hard decision with finances. Um, And I said, are you in a life group? Um, You know, do you have a relationship? And she didn't, of course, she was doing two jobs and busy and everything else. And I'm like, okay, we need to come around you. Discipleship isn't just telling somebody to what to do that the right thing, but it's helping support them as they do the right thing, which in that case was divorce, right? And so the church is about helping people find the right answers, but helping them live out those answers mm-hmm. and being supportive, not just telling them what to do because we're too busy to have relationships. Right. So as you walk through this, getting with people that can actually help you unpack what the scripture actually means mm-hmm. would have, was important for her. And if she would have heard the scriptures, and I read the scriptures, and would have misplayed because she didn't know, know the right. whole Right, she didn't know the context, context, yeah. And so that's why discipleship is important, because the more mature in the Word can help you unpack the true nuances in the Word, and then live that out. So again, I mean, this is a broad topic, and there's a lot of nuances, but what I hope, I hope people get from this is the, the Bible is very clear on what marriage is supposed to be, but it's also pretty clear on what happened, what make, which makes... Sin complicates everything. Right. And now we're left with all these different kinds of nuances about what to do with our sin, what to do with somebody else's sin, what to do when we're in partnership, you know? I mean, even like before you get married, don't be an equally yoked with a non-believer. Why? Because 
they if they don't have the Holy Spirit that gives the, the power to love like Jesus loves, and they aren't they don't have the same view of marriage that you do that it's forever. You just married somebody that's going to impact you and your future kids potentially. Mm-hmm. All of this is such an important subject, and discipleship in it is really important. Yeah, thanks, Jim. And it's uh, definitely the takeaway for divorces. Uh, don't don't go it alone. Get some godly advice. And thank you for your godly advice today.